Hey podcast listeners, this is Todd Finley, the founder of HBCU Grad. On this podcast, I got a chance to talk to Ashley McDonough and we had a really good conversation. We got into a lot of media, traditional versus new media, uh, culture, culture in general, culture outside of the U.S., HBCU culture, and we talked a lot about travel. I really, really think you're going to get a lot from this one. Hope you do. Thank you for joining us, Ashley. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the conversation we're about to have. Can you I give us, too. yeah, can you give us a little bit of your origin story, maybe from the perspective of someone that knew you from the, let's say you were in the second grade to the eighth grade? Just give Oh, me. wow. That's throwing it back. <laughs> we're going to throw it back a little bit to that. Um, Okay, so I am Ashley McDonough. I was born and raised in Queens, New York. Um, my parents are both from the Caribbean, so I'm first generation American. Okay. Um, yes, I pretty I had a Caribbean American upbringing. So in you know, growing up, I was born and raised in Queens. But if you know anything about New York, it's super diverse, but it has a very heavy, um, heavy amount of Caribbean people and just like foreigners in general Mm -hmm. so that was kind of like always my upbringing I was just been immersed with a lot of different cultures from a very young age okay now were you a real studious person growing up I was in a sense like I've always I've loved school I've always loved to learn new things Mm -hmm. but I was always very outgoing so you know sometimes I feel like it's one or the other like you're like super super nerdy or like you're very outgoing and popular I was kind of like a mixture of both like I've always been very focused in school and just kind of like got my work done and I was you know all of that but I mean I love to go out like I was always somewhere you know so but yeah so kind of a mixture okay now in high school were you involved in any extracurricular activities? I was in high school. Well, I went to a fashion high school. So I went to kind of like a vocational school. So we learned like kind of just the day-to-day curriculum was a combination of both. So we did all of our regular courses. But if you came in, you basically had like a major in high school. So I was a fashion design mm-hmm. major. You can be like a business major or like um, fashion finance and those type of things. So Every day was kind of full of extracurricular activities. So we had like different like fashion design classes and journalism, fashion journalism courses and those things. So that aspect I was, I was on the step team also. And I was, I did dance for some time too, but yeah. Okay. Okay. So after high school, what college did you go to? I went to the illustrious Howard University. Okay. So, yes, I am a bison. Go bison. Right. Now, what made you choose Howard? Was it somebody at, in your family that went there or you knew people that went there that came to recruit? What what made you choose Howard? You know, it's funny because a lot of, like, Black Americans, they have this idea of the HBCU, and that's kind of ingrained in them from a very young age. But because I was first-generation American and I had Caribbean parents, it wasn't really necessary, like, oh, you got to go to HBCU. That wasn't really my experience. My parents, they came up here to America to go to college, you know, make a better life for themselves and all that. So it was just kind of just known that you're going to go to college. There was no real 
in particular which college it was going to be. It was just kind of you're going to college. But um, I've always I was always familiar with HBCUs and all that, like, you know, growing up watching like a different world and all that. And I kind of always thought it would be a cute idea. Like, oh, that looks fun. But it still wasn't like I have to go to an HBCU until I got to to. I was probably like a junior in high school and I did go to, uh, I went to a tour, like I went to multiple different tours, but I went to a tour in Howard University's campus. And as soon as I got there, it was kind of like, oh yeah, this is it. This is home. This is where I need to be. It was just like, I don't know, like as soon as you get there, you're really, it's just immersed with so much culture and so many different types of people. But like, it's, it's really just flooded with black excellence the second you step on campus. And then you see the pride that these students have for their university which is something I've never really like seen at the impact I'm not sure if you know anybody who's ever went to Howard they will let you know oh I went to Howard and I loved it so I think a combination of all of those things just it just felt like oh yeah Howard this is it this is where I need to be right right so what did you what did you what was your major at Howard I was a broadcast journalism major and a sociology minor Mm, okay why did you choose journalism as a major I've I've always loved journalism I've just I've been a storyteller my entire life so I've always loved writing and I've always been very curious so like research and all those things have always been passions of Mm -hmm. mine I knew ultimately a career creating content and creating stories and just being immersed with culture was definitely something that I was going to do in the future so journalism kind of combined those things I love production I love video I love writing and Howard's curriculum just kind of was in tune with exactly what I wanted to pursue. Right, right. Makes a lot of sense. So tell me a little bit about your experience at the illustrious Howard University. Illustrious Howard <laughs> University. Oh, man. Howard was such an amazing time. I think, you know, it was for sure one, like four of the best years of my life for sure. Um, Howard, you know, it taught it taught you so much academically but more than anything I think Howard teaches you how to maneuver as a black American in this world in general and those are things that you know you at least for me that wasn't a real conversation before I got to Howard like you know I grew up in Queens New York I went to public school my whole life and you know I had a pretty like my childhood was great like academically and all that all the the courses that I learned but as soon as you got to Howard it was kind of like they just opened up a whole new door Mm -hmm. to what it is to be black in America and they were honest and real and they they showed they equipped you to you know succeed in this world so um how and then you get to meet so many different people and you know I studied abroad while I was there I I studied at the University of Granada Mm -hmm. in Spain and I was out there for like about six months or eight months or something like that and um, it just that experience in itself wouldn't have happened if I didn't go to Howard and just all, just so many different cultural awareness opportunities happened for me while there. So, um, yeah, it was a great experience for sure. Right. How was it studying in, in Spain for six to eight months? It was amazing. I, I mean, I studied. I mean, I always wanted to study abroad because, like I said, I've just been obsessed with culture and that's kind of just been my thing. Mm-hmm. But um, studying in Spain was absolutely amazing. While I was, I studied at the University of Granada and I majored in sociology there because that was my minor. And then I minored in Spanish. So I took my courses in Spanish. I was living in a dorm with all um, Spanish speaking students and um, faculty and all that. So you really were just like immersed in this culture. 
and Spain was amazing. Like the people are so kind, just the overall, I guess, day to day lifestyle that they live is just so more, much more laid back than what I was used to, especially coming from right. New York. Um, and just kind of like that cultural shift was just so necessary to just see a different way of life and meet different people and learn a different culture and a language and the food and just the history. It was just, I mean, overall, just a great experience. What type of challenges did you run into uh, when you were first getting immersed into Spanish culture? Um, I think, if anything, it, the only challenge would be that I was one of the very few Black people there. Mm -hmm. Because also, which is one of the main reasons why I even decided to enter a career and travel and all that, is because this, at the time, it was only 2% in the nation that black Americans actually took advantage of travel, studying abroad. Wow. So I know, and that's in the whole nation. That's not just HBCUs or anything that was in the nation. And that granted that was probably back in 2014, but now I think it went up to like four, which is still ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So I think um, just that was definitely a culture shift because it's one thing to be a black American in America, but then now, you're a black woman in Spain and in Europe as a whole. So I think that was different, but at least my experience over there, everyone has been, they were super accepting and it was never like, I never felt any kind of uncomfortable vibes or anything like that over there. So I think that would probably just be the main thing. It's, it's obvious that, Oh, well, you know, you're one of three or something like that. But I think that would probably be it for Okay. Real. Okay. Now, let's go back a little bit. What was the first trip you ever took? Um, The first trip I ever took, like, in general? Yeah, or like just, in, just in general. In general, the, the one, the first one I actually remember taking was, like, to Florida mm. from New York. I went to Florida from New York with my family. We went to um, Disney mm. World. I remember that. And I had family out there, but I was very, very, very Right. Young. How old were you? Probably three or four? Uh, yeah, I was about three okay. or four. I think three, actually. Okay. But yeah. Now, if we fast forward a little bit, what was the first trip you ever took either by yourself or with people your age that wasn't with your parents? Mm, that one was probably sometime in, uh, let's say college. I'm, yeah, let's say okay. college. I'd say probably like freshman year of college, okay. I started traveling alone. I mean, I travel alone all the time right. now, but the first one was probably like 17 or 18. Right. And w were you a road tripping type of person when you were in college? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I went to school in DC, so there was, but so far you can really go. Right. But um, we used to like just take random trips often mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. sure. I think that's one of the best parts of college is being able to just go with your friends and just go anywhere and just, you know, make up some fun. It is. And that's why I always say, like, to take advantage of that, because once you leave college, like, life hits you and you can't just get up and go and do whatever you want whenever you want. So really take advantage of that, those right, moments. For right, sure. definitely. Now I'm going to go into your college years a little bit, and it's going to be a little selfish on my part. Okay. And I'm going to, I want to dive into what they teach you as a broadcast journalism major. 
because okay. I don't know. And I know, okay. and I know things are shifting a little bit. So I want right. to get your take on one, what they teach you and two, what you see changing and evolving from old media to new media. Oh, yes. That's a really good question. Um, well, as for what they taught me, the good thing about Howard University is they will make sure that you are well equipped. I will definitely say that. So when I say that, they teach you every aspect of journalism because when you're out there in the real world, you want to be able to do every single job in mm -hmm. your field. So that was one of the main things. And shout out to my former professors who always said that you need to know how to do everyone's job right. in the room because that's how it separates you, especially if you're mm -hmm. Black. So when I was a broadcast journalism major, they would teach you how to be on air as a host and journalist. They'll teach you how to be the videographer behind the camera. They'll teach you how to produce it in the studio. They will teach you how to direct it in like on the actual in the field. And they will just teach you every single part. So even if it's PR, how to pitch, how to create press releases and all these things. So we learned all of it. So for one, it'll teach you, you know, what you like, what you don't like about the industry. But then it also equips you after you leave that you can do every single job. So that's that, that's that's the main things they teach you. They um to go even deeper, they teach you about on camera presence, how to speak on camera versus how to write editorial. They teach you um, the different styles of writing. So if you're writing for news, if you're writing for magazine, if you're writing for digital, all of these things are different as well. Um, they'll teach you directing and, and different cues and all those things that you should know in production. And just, just the overall thing. I mean, it's such a broad industry, yeah. but they literally will break it down to you to just be well-equipped. So that's to answer your first question. To answer the second question and how it's shifting, um, I think... I mean, it's, it's been shifting, you know, I think we're going in a really great place with media and digital. Um, I think even what, even by the time I graduated, it was shifting drastically. We all were in, we were broadcast journalism majors, but no one even wanted to be like reporters because that's like outdated, you know right. what I mean? So it was kind of even that sense, like before, before I went to college, it was kind of, all right, well, you want to do journalism, you're going to be a reporter, you're going to do that for a hundred years and eventually become an anchor. And that was kind of just what it was. But then as jobs open and as the industry expands, there's so many different things that you can do in this industry. So even if you are a reporter, you can go digital or you can be uh, a magazine editor or you can do it like on, on air in the studio or things like that. But I think one there's so many more job opportunities now and people are creating these new job opportunities for themselves. So um, all of that is definitely shifting and just the content in general. I think before things are, it was very newsy. Everything was, you know, you can't be biased. You're just there to um, state the facts and let people form their own opinions, all things that they used to mm -hmm. teach you. And now it's kind of like, it's just, it's different now. You can have an opinion and you can share that opinion. You, there's op-ed pieces and all these things. So I just think, it's just, it's just different. And I personally love the direction that it's going in. It has its downfalls, mm -hmm. but um, it's definitely way more open-minded and allowing other people to form their own opinions with the information provided to right. them. So when you're just in your daily life and you're looking at magazine, looking at digital, looking at new, whatever, however you consume, do you look at it with critical eyes? 
Oh yes, always. <laughs> I can't even watch. I can't even watch like a movie without like, oh, that light is terrible, right. or that pan was horrible. Like, oh, all the time. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I think I've gotten, I've gotten better for sure. But when I was actually in school, like doing it, shooting the shoot, like doing all of that, it was terrible. Like it's like, oh, this shot is ter- why? Why would they use this angle? Why would they use that camera lens? Like, oh, it was right. But yeah, but even now as a journalist even when I'm like, because it's different now that like I'm kind of on the other side of things when people interview me or things like that. It's it's easier in the sense because I know how I want other journalists to respond. So I think that works in my benefit because I've interviewed a lot of people and I think the like what I've learned from like how to interview people, it allows me to be a better interviewee in a sense because I know what they're looking for. So it, it's, you know, it's going to matter. Right. So what do you think is better? Do you think the people that are classically trained are better? Or do you think it's the people that just have a passion for something and figure it out on the go are better? I honestly, maybe I am old fashioned with saying it's better the classically trained way. I think everyone's like a fake journalist now. And it's, it's so annoying because it's like, I, you know, for people who have went to school for this and have literally tra- got trained to interview people and how to write and how like this is a skill and I think just like you wouldn't hop on a mic and say you're a singer Mm -hmm. you shouldn't hop on a a, you know a a microphone and say I'm a journalist or you write an op-ed and you're a journalist I think it's a craft and everyone doesn't have it just like everyone doesn't have every single skill I think you can absolutely be trained I think anyone can be trained to be a journalist but I just don't think I I think the classically trained route is always better it's just, you know, I just think it's just better quality content. For definitely, sure. definitely. Now, do you think the people that are classically trained have a harder job to adjust to how fast the new digital is moving? Or do you think that those fundamentals that they learn allow them to adapt quickly? I think it depends on the generation that you came mm-hmm. up in. Because I think previous generations, their entire curriculum, how they learned journalism was completely different than the way I learned journalism. When I came in and started as a journalist, it was already shifting. Mm-hmm. So I kind of came in with the shift. So it wasn't like I had to learn anything new. It was kind of like, okay, there was already social media. There's already Twitter and Instagram and all these different platforms that have journalism mm-hmm. now prior to previous generations who didn't have that. So I think it's just different. I think I think it, anyone can shift, especially if you are a trained journalist. I think you're smart. So you know how to maneuver and you know how to adjust. So I think it's very possible. Right. That, that makes sense. Do you what do you think is more important, being a practitioner or someone that just knows how to do it? Or do you need, do you think- need that mix? Um, I think you do need that mix because the the younger generation that's coming in, they have their own set of opinions and they have their own way they want to storytell and and all these exciting ideas and open-minded ideas. I think my generation and the generations below me, I mean, it's just a whole new era. But I do think that the older generations, they have just kind of a classic approach, which is it's never going to go out, out of style. Mm-hmm. Like, because they're focused on quality content. So I think that's important, but it also has to be mixed with the modern times. You know, you just, you just have to change with the times, with everything. I mean, 
the 10 years from now, the journalists coming up are not going to write and speak and do all the things that I do, but it'll be a whole new time. So you really just have to know how to adjust as the years right. go on. Do you think the speed kind of messes up the people from the old guard where, yeah, you have to put quality out there, but quantity may be even more important? Oh, yes, for sure. And I think that's why you really need just options in journalism I think like it's just ridiculous like how like a story breaks and it's like okay it just has to go just make sure it's like you know that's not quality journalism you really want to make sure everything's accurate and also engaging people just want to put their pieces out to say it it was out there first but is it really best if it's like not quality or if it's not accurate so I think that definitely affects things for sure so what is your what's your favorite platform to storytell on um, hmm. I think, I think video is most effective. Yeah. I love yeah. video, especially in my generation. I think it's quick. It's easy. You know, we, it takes a lot to get us to pay attention to things for a long period of time. So, you know, you just get the information out there quick and easy. I think video is probably the most effective. Mm-hmm. I think um, editorial will never go. I think editorial is classic. I don't think editorial is ever going to go out of right. style. Now, maybe the platforms that editorial is on, so like not so much magazines or newspapers, but the, the craft of writing quality content mm-hmm. on an editorial style, I don't think will ever go out of right, style. Right. Yeah, I'm a video person too, but I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize if they're good on, like you have to be good on video. You know, yeah. it's a skill, but it's also a talent that comes with it. Right. And yeah and that's yeah for sure and everyone's not good at every part you know some people are just good with the writing the copy Mm -hmm. some people are better on air so you just have to know your strengths Mm -hmm. and i love video because video you can take video and you can take the audio and turn that into Mm -hmm. a podcast you can take the yeah you you can take the audio and turn that into a written piece you know, right. so it's really just, it's like a, a pillar piece of content that you can turn into the other pieces of content where you can't, you can't right. do that with written and you can't do that in, with audio. You, you just can't turn those into videos. Exactly. So that's why I'm a, a big fan of, uh, a big fan of video. So I want to talk a little bit about your app that you're launching. Are you June 4th? It is. I'm not. It's, it's probably not going to be launched June okay. 4th. Like we're going to push it back further, only because there's so many additional components that you have just got added on, which are great things. I mean, I wish it could come out now, but I'd rather really put out like some quality content. Right. And now we just added like um, getaways, and then we have an additional set of influencers coming on board. So we just, you know, we're just going to put it back for uh, three more nice. weeks. Nice. Okay. So tell me about it. It's called Melanin on the Map. It is, yes. It's called Melanin on the Map, and it's an app dedicated to travelers of color. So it's a one-stop shop of a number of things. So it's education, because it's going to be a lot of quality content that's educating you on travel, whether that be like saving money or whether that be on travel deals and all of that. But then there's also going to be um, inspiration in a sense where there's going to be a number of features of prominent people of color in the travel industry and kind of also giving you informative tips on allowing you to be in those positions as well, whether that be travel or whether that be like flight attendants or influencers or all of these billion dollar industries that people are interested in going into. 
And then there's going to be opportunities. So it's going to be a number of different actual travel opportunities, whether that be packages or flight deals or hotels and all that. So we're working with a number of different influencers and our hotel, our brand partners, which are hotels and airlines and agencies. So it's a number of things and we are super excited. What made you want to put together a travel app? Well, I have, I've been traveling, like I said, I'm first generation American. So I've been traveling my entire life and I've always just been obsessed with travel. Like it's something that to me, I think just taught me so much about myself and being able to, you know, live different places or just maneuver throughout life. I think travel just literally opens your mind and opens just opportunity. And I've always traveled everywhere. So I've been to over 10 countries before the age of 25 and people would always ask me like, oh, how do you get to travel so many different places? Or like, how you afford it? Or what is it like in these different places? And it was kind of like mind boggling to me that it's people think it's this difficult. <laughs> now I get it that, you know, it's it can be expensive, but it doesn't have right. to be. So if a college student at the time can afford to go, like I know that people who are older than me, more experienced than me, have more money than me can absolutely do it and I think it was there was just no platform out there to assist people who had all these questions and it, and, and that was also mind-boggling to me that this didn't already exist because when I was when I was in the process of like getting it started it was kind of like a let me see where I can go to reference and there was literally nothing like I'm just making this out of thin air like and there are other travel agencies focused on this but as far as assisting them and showing them that this is really possible mm -hmm that was not a thing i think all the other ones they they were just to me they were very showy it's kind of like oh look i'm in spain i'm in italy and it was never really like okay well how can i do that too so i really wanted to create a platform that helps people of color do that nice nice and that it it is necessary it is necessary for sure now what challenges did you run into while trying to build an app because I just know creating something that isn't out there is extremely, extremely hard. And I don't think a lot of people oh, truly yeah. understand what it takes to put something out there. And just to have the courage to put it out there is is huge. So right. what type of challenges did you run into? Uh, were they logistical? Were they um, financial? Were they like how like how did you you know put a team together to try to think through things? Who do you bounce things off of? Kind of walk me through your process. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so difficult. The whole journey into entrepreneurship has been so ridiculously stressful and insane. And I'm, in, I'm super transparent. Like I'm not those girls who will be on Instagram like, oh, my life is perfect. And I'm launching a business and look at me. Like, no, entrepreneurship is hard. It is ridiculously hard. And it's very isolating. You're like, it drives you crazy. It literally drives you insane. And you really need to have a strong foundation like I believe in God but whoever it is that other entrepreneurs believe in you have to have a strong foundation to know that you're going to be okay and this vision was given to you for a reason and like you really have to have that and you have to have a plan and be very strategic so um well it was kind of for me in particular it, this whole vision of mine has, has kind of been years in the making but this year 2019 is kind of when it really really when I really honed in on getting all the logistics in order. So first steps that I did was, um, and also shout out to Dana Chanel, who's an amazing entrepreneur. 
she is the founder of Crow Bible and Sprinkle Jesus and Alakazam apps. And I went through her business to launch my business. So one of her businesses is an app creating business, Alakazam apps. And what they do is they literally create the format of the app for you. So you tell them all the breakdown, you tell them what you want, how you, like how you plan to make money off of it and all of that. And they'll create it for you. So they have a developer team and all of that. So that part, um, Dana's team took care of. Now, everything else that you really didn't even think about, like you have, it's just so many components into launching a business and launching an app. Like you have to um, get, you know, your trademark name and then you have to get the business license. And then you have, there's just so many, then you have to get accountant and lawyers and, and, and merchandise because there is also a merchandise component. Mm-hmm. And just all of these different factors. And if, and for me, there's travel writers, there's travel influencers. So building a team of people who are also aligned with my mission, but who are also very professional and also, you know, can actually do the task required right. of them. And it's so much, and we're global now. So it's just like, I'm working on my schedule here on, on the West Coast, but I'm speaking with girls in Bali and France and all that. And like, you know, waking up at five in the morning because you have a, not like a 6 a.m. meeting because it's an appropriate time for them and it's just all of these little things that it's 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 extremely stressful and financially that's been extremely stressful launching a business is it's super expensive there's a lot that has to go into it like you have to look into um getting tax filing for the city that you live in you have to focus on like to how you're how you are going to do taxes and get get all of that logistics in order with accounting you have to do all these expenses and it's a lot there's so many different components right right so how did you overcome those challenges um i really really just focused on strategy like okay you know i write to do this multiple times a day mm-hmm. and kind of just focusing on okay what has to get done now I'm, i've always been a big deadline person because i am a journalist that's how my entire career was off of deadlines right. So the deadline aspect has worked in my favor, but I'm um, just really focusing on, okay, I really wanted to get all the logistics and the legal aspects out of the way, because, you know, that's the most important, making sure that everything that I'm doing is legal, making sure that I own all the rights. I just really didn't want to come across any confusion because that will put you back too. you know, it's like, well, I own this name, I own this app and all of that takes time. You have to go through a whole process with, you know, the, the legal team of owning the rights to whatever it is that you're looking to, you know, to do. So um, it's really just to me has just really been strategy and focusing on and realizing that, you know, just keeping in mind why I even started this. And, and it's been great to get the feedback that I've had because so many people are like, Oh, we need this. Like we're, we're, we've been waiting for this. Like, mm-hmm. and that definitely pushes me to re- like, you know, this is way bigger than me. Like people are out here wanting to travel and open their horizons and they can't and they need this to do it so it's just it really keeps me focused and you know getting all those things knocked out of my on my to-do list just day by day mm-hmm. it's, it's stressful but it's happening for sure yeah i think i think to-do lists and deadlines and a schedule are super super important so what you're saying that yeah it, it makes it makes a lot of sense because it just gives you a road yeah. and then it can kind of let you know where you're at and you know where you're going right exactly yeah i think that's uh that's great. So what can p- 
people expect when Melanin on the Map launches? People can expect a place where they can go for just information to make the travel experience for them not only possible, but easier. So um, it's going to be a number of different different sectors of the app, but I really wanted to create a place that that had something for everybody. I think my whole thing is really being inclu- inclusive, but for literally everyone. I think when people say this inclusive, like inclusivity and diversity term, it's it's you know still very swayed. This is an app that are for people of color, whether you are Hispanic, and if I know the Hispanic. The, the Hispanic people have their own dilemmas when they travel to different places. For example, like Dominicans who travel to Mexico or if they travel to Spain, like those are conversations that people don't have. Or if you are a plus size traveler, those are conversations that people don't have because a lot of the times, if it doesn't pertain to you, people don't care mm-hmm. about it. But this is an app that this is for all people of color. I want them to be able to come to this to get answers for if they are interested in traveling different places so they can be aware of what the experiences are like. And just, just for them to connect with one another, I want it to be a place where they can meet other travelers, where they can engage and, you know, possibly travel together and all that. And I want it to be a place where they can go for travel opportunities, affordable opportunities, and just showing them a new perspective to life. Right. So if you had, if someone said, hey, I want to travel abroad what type of budget does somebody need to be able to travel and travel comfortably i think one it depends on where you're looking to go and the first thing you need to do with that is find out what the current currency exchange rate is i think that's something that a lot of people don't look into right away like instantly that's one of the first things you need to do for example i live in the u.s but um if i'm going i'm actually going to greece tomorrow Mm. but i'm going to, if I'm going to Greece and, you know, their currency is euro, you know that the American dollar is less than the euro dollar. So you need to budget that into your equation as well. So I think that's definitely one thing. Another thing is if you've already booked your trips or um, expenses that you would be paying for when you're over there, then you won't need as much money going over there. For example, if I have uh, like a tour planned and I already purchased it, you don't have to go there and pay additional fees. It's already taken care of. So I think you're really just look. You have to really plan ahead and be very strategic in your your trips. You don't want to go places randomly and kind of just not know. You really want to be secure because you don't want to be, you know, stranded in a foreign place. Like that's scary. That's like you know. So um, just I think it would just be doing a lot of research about the places that you go before you get there. Okay. So does someone need? A hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, five hundred. What do you to go where? Let's say to, to Greece. I would say if you're going to Greece for about, I think you would. The best way to do it is put a limit on your day to day spending. So if you're going to Greece and you say, okay, I don't plan on spending more than eighty dollars a day, you will calculate that by the amount of days that you're going to go there. That's why I can't give you like an exact number. Mm-hmm. So if you're going for a week and you're like, okay, I'll spend $100 a day, then 700 to 800 will probably be good. Granted, just to have, like you will probably not spend that much. You'll probably spend four or something. But I'm saying just to like set a set day by day 
spending budget for you so i think that you just have to take into consideration where you're going the amount of days you're going to be there and how much you realistically think you are going to spend each day okay okay that, that, that makes a lot of sense now if you had to give people some money saving tips while traveling mm-hmm. what would be your let's say your top two money saving tips yeah and that's going to be on the app too um because we also have some brand partners who are um, some saving money apps but um the top two i would say one book in advance like really book in advance don't do that oh i want to go to paris for july 4th and you know it's may 31st like don't do that but i think also one of the main things that helped me with flights is there are a number of flight apps that people don't even know exist. And that's another reason why people think like flight traveling is so expensive. But for example, one of the flight apps that I use is flight hopper. Mm-hmm. And this is not an ad. They are not paying me, <laughs> but um, flight hopper basically t- allows you to go in there and put the dates that you want to travel where you plan on traveling to. And they would, send you an update on the prices of that and it goes into extreme detail as to where we'll even tell you the flight to so-and-so is now five hundred dollars it's um wait a couple more days because it's expected to go down a hundred more dollars or it'll tell you like this is the lowest it's going to be you should book now so something like that and people don't i'm sure did you even know that existed i have heard of hopper oh have you okay because a lot of people don't and that's just one of them a lot of people don't. And it's like that it's kind of like something like if you know you're planning a trip and you can also put in multiple dates and multiple cities and multiple countries. So you literally just allow this it's working for you so you don't have to do all the additional research. So that would be one money saving um hack. And the other one I think would be um try to go the Airbnb route sometimes instead of hotels. I think also it depends on where you travel to. Sometimes people are real skeptical about Airbnbs in certain cities, which I completely agree on. Mm-hmm. But other times, I think you save a lot of money and you'll have like a beautiful place. I think, but that depends on the location that you're going to. Okay. So um, that would be yeah, my second one. Okay. Okay. Tell me, what's the what's your favorite place to travel to? Hmm. Um, I feel like I'm going to be biased and I love, well, my parents are from Jamaica and Dominica, not Republic, but Dominica, the island. So I love going back there. It's just like a very homey feeling and all that. But one of my favorite places of all time to travel to is Rome. I loved Rome. Like I would move there tomorrow. It was such a beautiful place and the people are just so laid back and calm and just loving. Like it's, it's, it's a very nice city to be in for sure okay Okay. now um when it comes to traveling in america where would be your favorite place Hmm. well i okay well i'm from new york born and raised in new york but i moved to california so a lot of people think that california is like a vacation Mm -hmm. So I kind of would say L.A. Like, L.A. is really nice. But now that I live here, I'm like, can I say L.A.? (laughs) You definitely say L.A. (laughs) L.A., yeah, I would say L.A. L.A. is really nice. Cali's great. Cali's a really great place to live. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. 
All right, well, we'll start wrapping up here. I got a couple quick questions I want to ask you, and then you know mm-hmm. we can talk about anything else you want to talk about. Um, okay. And they're random questions. What's your favorite brand on social? My favorite brand on social. Hmm. That's very random. Um, <laughs> let me think. I don't like a brand. I'm trying to think. All I'm thinking right now is like the shade room. <laughs> Which is terrible. Yeah, you're supposed to say HBCU um, grad, but we'll let you. Oh, I no, I'll just mess. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but I actually do follow a lot of HBCU content. Now that you bring it up, I do, but I haven't even realized that. Right. I just do by circumstance. Right, right. But um, I don't know. Maybe like a magazine or something. I follow like Oprah's magazine or something. I don't know because I, I don't really go when I when I'm on social. I don't necessarily go to any account to look to see what they posted today right right so that's why the shade room is is really good content though yeah for sure and now they're switching it up like it's not so much gossipy all the time they're trying to shift it okay okay yeah i don't i don't consume a lot but what they when things come across my desk i do see and and they understand social in a way that most people don't yeah they understand volume they understand that memes work. They right, understand exactly. how to drive comments. They understand how right. to make people interact with your handle in different ways. Yeah. DMs through saving, through sharing. You know, and they got a pretty good ear to the street. So, you know, what they do tactically is, you know, is really good. You know. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely mess with uh shade room. So last thing, I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask the question of the day. The question of the day can be oh. anything. It can be selfie. Where do people want to travel? What do they want to see on the app? Or you can say anything from what's the best HBCU to what can we do to improve um, our app. You, you can ask anything. So you get a chance to ask your question of the day and you'll get a chance to get a lot of feedback from, from a lot of different people. Okay. Also, this is this question is going to be on the on the the account. It's going to be on the podcast. Okay. And, oh, got it. Got it. Got yeah, it. And from the podcast, it can you never know uh, where it may go. And this is related to my app. Mm-mm. It no. can be, you know, what do you think about you know the Jesse Smollett case? It can be about anything. You can literally okay. ask anything. Okay, well, I mean, I guess I would want to know, hmm, what, what, I mean, I'm going to relate it back to traveling, mm-hmm. but I would want to know what hinders people of color to travel. Like, if it's one thing that I haven't been here because, what would that be? And how do you think, what would solve that problem for you? That's what I would want to know. So if that's like finances or if that's just they don't have anyone to travel with or anything like I would want to know what it is. That's a a great question, because I think uh, a lot of people struggle with what that's why I was trying to ask a question of like, how much does it cost? Because I know a lot of people say, hey, it's cost prohibitive. I I can't do it. And people don't know that traveling is isn't as expensive as you probably would think it is. Right. You know, but. You know, I think you're going to get some good feedback off of that. So 
Yeah, and I really, I really, I just, I really want to know that one for the app, but I just want to know because I get it. Like, I get people have kids and wives and husbands and whole lives. Like, I completely get it, but you don't want anything like that to hinder creating those experiences for yourself and your family. You can travel with your son. You could travel with your wife. Like, people don't realize that. And sometimes it's even cheaper like that, but that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and some people may just not be interested in traveling. Exactly. And that's fine too. Some people are very comfortable, very comfortable where they are. And, you know, and that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. I really appreciate you, Ashley. I want to wish you the best on your app. Uh, We're always here. Yeah. We're always here. If you need us, Uh, if there's anything that we can ever help with, you know, we're always an email or, or a call away. So I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. And we're very excited. And we will continue to support all HBCUs, even though Howard is the best, but <laughs> all HBCUs. <laughs> now, have you ever been to an, a different HBCU homecoming? Um, Not the actual homecoming. Wait, 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 wait. No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Not a real homecoming, homecoming. Like, I've been to, like, you know, Spelman, Morehouse, and all that, but not the actual homecoming. Why would mm. I? When they <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to make sound decisions with limited information, Ashley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm assuming you went to an HBCU, right? I did go to an HBCU. Which one did you go to? What, what's your guess? What do you think? Which I'm going to say North Carolina A&T. You know what? That's not a bad guess. That's not a bad guess. But I went to FAMU. Okay. Oh, that's better. That's a better. <laughs> that's that's not a bad. That's, that's not better. a bad guess. So. Okay. Okay. But you get a pass. You're right. If you ever get a chance, <laughs> see DC wins because well Howard wins. I think a lot of the times because of the city. Um, yeah. Morehouse and Spelman win oftentimes because of the city. When yeah. you start to and they have each other to go back and forth, right? Time. But when you start to look at schools like North Carolina A and T and Florida A and M, for them to be able to stand on their own in mm-hmm. Tallahassee and Greensboro says a lot. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but I'm just giving you a hard time. Thank you, Ashley. I wish you the best, and thank you for taking the thank time. Thank you to talk so to much. Us. Thank you so much. Have a great okay, day. Okay, you too. Okay. Bye bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm really blown away uh, by the support and by the explosion that we've gotten on the podcast in the last month or two. We really, really appreciate your support. Uh, Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Please rate us on iTunes if you haven't done that. And please share this with anyone that may get some value from the podcast. Talk to you soon. Have a good day. Thank you.